0: Hello and welcome once again to the Bald Move television podcast. We're the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. I'm your host, Aaron, And I'm Jim. And today we're talking about episode 205 of HBO's The Deuce series uh, entitled All You'll Be Eating Is Cannibals. Fine, young cannibals. Uh, The most delicious type. Uh, Jim, what do you think of this episode? Uh, It's
1: Another solid one. I don't think I'm going to get out of this season without (laughs) saying... Uh, I really enjoyed this episode <laughs> uh, <laughs> on, on every single one because, uh, like I said last week, you know, it feels effortless. It's just a joy to watch most of the time. Uh, there are some parts that, that make me go, oh, no, some bad things are really about to happen, especially as we round the corner to the, the last half of the season here. Uh, you can see the pieces falling into place for, like, Cece to become extremely violent. Um, he he, Laurie got a taste of it but mm-hmm. i would say just a taste of it uh mm-hmm. you know because we've seen what happened to shay that that right. stuff was nasty um and and Lori's getting deep in that i really love the stuff with frankie probably my favorite scene we'll talk about it uh at length here in a bit but my favorite scene was with frankie and candy or eileen when she's trying to convince him to essentially manipulate him into giving her money for her movie which i loved and then yeah. everything that happens after that with the movie and frankie i look at it and go oh my oh no
0: yeah this is candy bad. you've made such a mistake <laughs> a deal with not a devil a dumbass devil maybe <laughs> yeah yeah uh,
1: so yeah. I, I don't know i mean those scenes and then it's just it's really good
0: yeah i it's funny because a lot of the danger, like, I I didn't see... I feel like they're setting us up to where a lot of the danger I was looking for might not be there. For example, I was really thinking that this clinic and doctor situation was going to go real bad. Right. But, like, we saw today, th- th- this episode, and I'm like, you know, maybe I was a little too cynical. Or these women that are organized this are too smart. Like, these aren't, like, shady back-office deals. It's, like, in a brightly lit, open kind of public area. There's, like, no place where a doctor could be like, I'll give you this prescription if you suck this dick. Uh-huh. Like, even, you know, it's, it's like they're not trusting these men to be angels. They're, it's, all, it's all about transparency and supervision, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, which is, like, I keep on thinking, like, what are the little things that Simon is trying to tell us about his political theory? And I feel like he's accidentally shown well I don't know accident these women have deliberately engineered a situation that I think David Simon would say is an ideal political situation. One where there's it's a democratic process, uh there's very little like power structure. There is it's set up to not allow corruption. It's set up to be transparent. Um you know, they're speaking plainly and honestly in public about their, you know, goals, even though maybe they could get advanced a little bit further if they Obscured, like I, I feel like he's 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 making a lot of interesting statements, and also, I'm I'm continuing to be fascinated with like the duality that we see this season. Like a lot of these episodes have, like equal and opposites. For example, we saw two raids this episode, mm-hmm. one where the cops went in and busted Bobby's joints, and then one where Big Mike and Black Frankie go and bust up some, uh, the card game in the Bronx amongst the black folk and you know i it, it, i i thought it was interesting that my feelings watching both of them was kind of just like bummed like <laughs> okay here are regular people that are like it's, it's everyone's chilled there's no violence it seems like people are having a good time and men with guns are coming in and fucking it up uh because and and they're both illegal enterprises so there's no recourse to it um, sure. I just think it's like that, that was instructive to me. Like I, you know, I didn't feel like elated that big Mike got the big score. I felt like, you know, big Mike is a fundamentally decent guy who's been corrupted by all this. Mm, um, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting. I, it's, it, I'm curious to see, you know, obviously there's a lot of things built coming to a head at the pimps. Uh, yeah. there's a lot of things coming ahead with the, this, this moral task force and even Vincent's life looks like it's at a real crossroads. And they uh, kind
1: of put um, the mob stuff a little bit on the back burner this time. You know, that, that Mike score was not part of that, so right uh, they didn't do much with that, but you got to think that's not over.
0: No, I mean, I think they're just showing the like that, that was like Abby coming to the realization that she's got this, um, you've got a righteous view of herself that like, hey, I've done everything on my own steam, and I haven't needed these gangsters, and Vincent's like, well, you know... Why do you think you're able to operate in this environment without being, you know, drug into the pity pit? It's because of this this protection racket that we're all participating in. And Abby yeah. doesn't like that. And like, you know, I, like like Vincent's, everyone seems like they're being forced to take sides. Um, mm-hmm. And Vincent needs is going to have to decide where he's going to side with his family or he's going to side with his with his girlfriend, who I think is got the morally correct course of action and viewpoint here Mm -hmm. um and and it's also like you see like the thing with paul and his his boyfriend kin like that's kind of tragic um and i think there's like some really interesting duality there between the thing that paul wants to build for the community versus the parts of the community that paul seems to be drawn to to go to blow off steam (laughs) Um, and it's all set up against the you know the aids epidemic uh, epidemic is coming so uh like you, you know, it's it's like watching like a shipful of uh, this is a bad this is a bad metaphor, and I apologize uh, for it in advance. I want
1: to hear it more now,
0: <laughs> but it's like seeing like it's like this is the same kind of like if you're an, uh, an impartial observer seeing a ship full of plague carrying rats coming into a harbor of a of a city, and you're like, oh, this is going to be bad. I'm not saying that. Oh, I'm definitely no. not saying the gay men are vermin. I, I'm not saying that as an unfortunate, but it's like it's that kind of thing where it's like this is going to decimate a community, and they have no idea. Yeah, yeah. They have no idea, and it's so tragic to see, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff where they talk about how, like, amazing and liberating yeah. and free these people felt, and, like, the Grim fucking Reaper is going to put, you know, if it, if it wasn't, you know, fucking Gale at the planning board, it's going to be the Grim Reaper putting his boot to your, your neck here in a minute, and, mm-hmm. um, Jesus, what a, what a bleak... What, what, it feels like season three is going to be pretty fucking bleak. If yeah, it's it could be in the 80s. Uh,
1: yeah, they're they're going to probably jump ahead a few years and we're going to mm-hmm. be in the thick of it.
0: Mhm.
1: Uh so I, I don't know. That, it, you're right. It looks it looks like a, a bad omen coming in.
0: Yeah. Uh so should we get to the episode proper? Yeah. Hey, before we get into detailed analysis of the episode, I want to talk about some housekeeping stuff. Uh, The Empire business, uh, a club-only feature for Club uh, Bald Move members, uh, where we take a behind-the-scenes looks at what's going on here at Bald Move. Uh, We've got the State of the Empire, which is kind of our financial analysis. Financial. It's not financial. Podcasting financials are called financials. It's like having Mm -hmm. a comptroller. No one really knows what it means. It's just that's the term. Uh, and then next week we're going to have our studio tour. It's actually our old studio. We just moved out of it. Um, we did a, a, a tour of it, um, like just like the look of it. We went through like all the different things we had in the office, the equipment. Uh, it's going to be cool. That's going to be the last of the Empire business series, and we'll have we'll be talking about what we're we'll doing next here in the ne- next few days and, and next week for sure. The next segment, I think you're going to like it. Uh, we're also, of course, covering The Deuce. Uh, we got Better Call Saul season four finale happened this week. I can't believe it. It's like I blinked and that season's over. Yeah. We'll be talking about that tomorrow here at BaldMove.com. Cecily and I are talking about American Horror Story season eight Apocalypse, which has been really fun. It's been super fun to talk about. If uh, you like trashy horror film, campy, funny kind of stuff, uh it's, it's it's a good time check it out uh on the american horror story podcast feed jim and i will be checking out the bad times at the hotel el royale i think is the name of this thing i don't,
1: I don't think hotels in there but sure the,
0: the, oh bad times at the el, el royale yeah. um it's giving me a lot of like what like like um dust till dawn vibes sort of yeah yeah it looks really cool i hope it's going to be a good one we'll be talking about that on the bald movies feed on friday uh, then we also released on the movie, uh, podcast feed, uh, we just talked about Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven this week, released on Monday. Next week, we'll have, uh, Oliver Stone's JFK ready for your consumption if those sound interesting to you. All that stuff is on baldmove.com. All right, let's, uh, talk about the episode. I wanted, to. there was something that I was, speaking of duality, uh, when I was watching Frankie and Vincent and James Franco, I kind of feel like I, I... I I got this this subtle because because, you know, they're doing with the the makeup and hair, essentially, they're differentiating. But like I was looking at him and I I noticed a trick that I think Franco is using where he plays Vincent like Vincent is a mature, responsible, fairly level headed uh, businessman who plays like he's the cocky playboy like that's his act that he can put on but it's not like you you can see around the edges that that part of the performance is not super convincing Mm. and then when he plays frankie it's the exact opposite frankie is the cocky moron playboy and that is who he is but he can put on the air and the affectation of like the responsible sober businessman but you can kind of see around the edges of that act yeah you know, and I think that's, like, it's it's so cool to see, you know, that, like, duality amongst the brothers play out in a, in a single man. I thought that was kind of cool.
1: And I think it's also interesting, and maybe just a consequence of it being the same person doing both right. acting jobs. Right. But he also manages to maintain, you know, even with the exact opposite personalities, he manages to maintain this, this feeling that these guys are brothers, you know, and, right. and very... Like obviously raised in the same environment, uh, right. they have a lot of the same experiences. It's it's something that I think you kind of get for free when you use the same actor for both of those roles. Sure, uh, but it does help to sell the effect of them being brothers.
0: Yeah, and it's it's just like I, you know, Frankie is such a case of arrested development. Like as eileen was walking up to him and he's bouncing this ball and he's like having this elaborate fantasy of like being a star baseball player or whatever i'm like this this guy is such a child like what man acts like this uh however old he is what is he 30 now and as and, and then Eileen walks up and says something like, you know, are you trying out for Little League or what? And I'm like, yes, it's exactly. And he, <laughs> and, and he doesn't get it. No, no, because, you know, just like a little boy wouldn't get the fact you're making fun of him if you said something like that. It's right. I, I thought it was it was kind of interesting. Um,
1: Let's talk about that scene, because, OK, that's maybe my favorite scene. There, there's there's absolutely nothing legally binding about a finger through a fence. Let me let me tell you that, first of all. <laughs>
0: Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it, the, the finger binding can be legal, or uh-huh. can, can be binding, but through a fence, every judge in the country. Not, yeah. there's Not not a, not a court that you'd have standing with in the country.
1: It, it, it's also profoundly creepy. I don't know why I find this finger through the fence so creepy, but it's like, it, there's something about it. When he jams his finger through that fence, I'm like, oh, that's gross.
0: Yeah. Don't, like don't a, touch that finger, Candy. <laughs> it's a bit of a, gl- like a glory hole situation. Yeah, uh, something like that. I, ugh apparently that was improvised yeah that's just something they came up with on the set and i felt like maggie gillenhall is so goddamn charming Mm -hmm. that like and and maybe it's because maybe it's because that was a genuine i mean she's they're both very good actors yeah Uh, i'll say that first but also like the fact that like if they got if that was improvised and like that was the first shot there was a little bit of something conspiratorial about it like there was like some genuine actual this is funny kind of thing going on uh and mm-hmm. i thought yeah i i thought it was great i thought and, it was great
1: and i think it works in that scene too because there is something conspiratorial about what they're doing right they're yeah. conspiring against the system that essentially is holding candy back here right uh, which i think is awesome but also like she knows she's just pulled one over on frankie a little bit like she just wants his money right she doesn't want his involvement in the project in any way uh and she got it she got it by playing to his worst instincts which are the gambling genes that he's got yes. uh that idea that this is a gamble and it's safer than most of the gambles you've made and if you lose it what what's it to you you know you've lost this much money many times over
0: yeah the so old, who the cares old button fly gambling genes he's got yeah no uh, it's, it's such a good scene i, it, I really love it yeah, and it's like – it's because like, it's it's both instincts. She plays on his – the fact he's an inverted gambler mm. and, like, explicitly pitches this as a, a gambling proposition, but also appeals to the fact that he wants to be the big man like his his little brother. So yeah. she's like, yeah, you can be a swinging dick executive producer and to have all the – and I, I, I don't – I don't know what's going to end up happening. Like, it seems clearly clear that Vincent is going to get her entangled in a lot of stuff and, mm-hmm. like, fuck up with the salary and, like, how soon... Like, I don't know how deep it's going to go. Is it going to be just, like, trying to cast his girlfriend or, I guess, wife, fiance? Fuck, I don't know. Or is he going to actually start wheeling out, like, metaphorical bags of pennies from the Enterprise, you know?
1: I mean, he might. We, yeah. We've seen that tracker before. Right. The other thing he's doing is trying to get other co uh, producers involved. Yeah, that's I, not like, great. This is, this is a road to disaster for, for Eileen. And I, it could, I, be, I uh... hope that she sees it and I hope that she's able to head it off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It could be, it could be, um, <laughs> I just think it is it's so clear. Um, I mean, these, I think these are her, like, I don't, these are her hustler. That's what the word I want to use. These are her hustler instincts kicking in because she not only did she know exactly what she needed to say to get this guy hot and bothered for the the proposition, mm-hmm. but she also, like, super smart and, like, velvet glove, the whole, uh, oh, do you got it on you? Because she knows, like, this, this pinky through the fence thing is bullshit. Yeah. And <laughs> if she leaves Frankie for 24 hours, he's going to go spend $10,000 on anchovy pizza to make up with his girlfriend, you know? Yeah uh she's she's real clever um but i i also if we want to just keep talking about eileen like (laughs) there's there's a lot of duality in her role too because on the one hand i think she's got the makings of a really talented filmmaker because she really is getting in psychologically like what are people wanting to see and why what is the core fantasy here what is and 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 is there a fantasy that we can reach out and like I mean, the, the best way to build a new market, like, if she wants to do female empowerment film and, like, some some more cerebral, more erotic things, it, the best way to build a market that doesn't exist is to find a way to appeal to the existing market and also attract those other people into that. And I feel like that she's doing that. She's going to have solid fucking and sucking, but yeah. she's also got this, you know... Uh, like And, and th- that's the other thing is... I thought there would be trouble not using Harvey's wife for the writer but mm-hmm. we found out that she actually paid a guy to write and he wrote a conventional kind of like man you know this is a little red riding hood story but it's the big bad wolf who's the star yeah and she just instinctually knows that's not right
1: right She um, she couldn't get that perspective out of him
0: Right. So she's going to have Harvey's wife write the erotic version of Taxi Driver <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> for free, for free, too. Yeah. But but so, so there's the one side. She's smart. She's, she's getting this stuff done. But I also think the fact, like, Harvey's there as, like, a cautionary figure trying to uh, help us understand that she's also very inexperienced and naive on this business side. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to use mob money. She, I I think we're supposed to understand that she's going to askew filming permits yeah. and try to do this all kind of like guerrilla style. And those are very intensely risky propositions to be doing in New York City where everyone's got their hand out. Um, And if you don't pay them, then you'll get the other hand that's clenched in the fist. And mm-hmm. I... i i I don't know i just don't know
1: yeah um and then you know the the uh star search i guess Mm -hmm. uh, that they're doing this episode is interesting especially when it comes to finally meeting with lori in the apartment because i i look at that scene and i definitely come out on the side of lori here when she essentially tells candy look you are in a position of privilege Mm -hmm. because you don't have a CC and you never had a CC Mm -hmm. on your back. And that's the thing that I think, you know, Eileen at the beginning of that scene doesn't understand as well as Eileen at the end of that scene, right? Where, Mm -hmm. um, she has had the opportunity to go her own way and create her own destiny because she was never, she didn't have this big monkey on her back. So Mm -hmm. what, what the fuck is Lori to do at this point? And, and I think candy at the end of that scene finally understands a little bit more about that even though i think at the beginning of the scene she should have she she knew what that life was like and that's why she avoided it for so long and yet she sort of let herself believe that she had created her own destiny against all odds but she wasn't against all odds right she was against a lot of the odds mm-hmm. but not all of them mm-hmm. uh, Lori is up against all the odds
0: that i i like that take it's different from the one i had which is i thought eileen was humoring lori here a lot because you know Lori like hmm. you know lori's angry and lori's vulnerable the fact is i think eileen if she was if she didn't need anything from lori just wanted to blow lori's spot she could be like y- you're right lori i i didn't have a man and i preemptively took a lot of beatings because she got the shit beat out of her, like worse than I've seen any of the other the girls on the show. Just mm-hmm. from a random John because she didn't have a pimp's protection, and like how many times has that happened to her over there? So it's not like Candy just you know when Eileen was out there, is Candy just floating among the clouds and dodging raindrops? Like she took like and and, and that's what Lori's like. She doesn't want to take that. She got to mm-hmm. take. She does that's like I I don't know. Is, do you think this is the first time CC? beat lori i almost feel like it is because it mm. wasn't like it was like just a you know what a quick a, a couple backs of the hands um yeah. and i i like in contrast to um in contrast to like last year uh dorothy um or i forget her ashley her street name uh you know i felt like that's you know like when he starts cutting on you that's when he's you know he's beat on you a couple times mm-hmm. and and, and did, you know we have talked about the difference to lori is that like she kind of came pre-broken like she's like yep i know what the game plan is i'm on board the game plan i am fully supportive of the game plan you don't need to worry about me cc um but you know candy is essentially saying the type of beating or the type of danger that you're afraid of to get by leaving cc is the type of beatings that i just risked and received uh because i didn't want a cc in my life so uh but I but I, I think it's the right call. That's why I, th- I think Eileen's smart because if she said that to Lori, then Lori goes and you know runs off. You know she she loses her as a as a friend and an ally. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It was good and then turn it. Into, do you think the other thing is like did Eileen plan? Do you, I, I wonder how much of this was Eileen also pushing her buttons to get this performance out of her just as an experiment. Yeah,
1: that's. Uh kind of a gross part of the scene to me. Like yep. when it turns from this very intimate, personal, uh I don't know. Confession is not the right word. This, this p- spilling of her guts, right. To, mm-hmm. to Eileen, uh, it turns into an audition at that point, And I felt very grossed out by that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think you're supposed to, cause I, you know, that's the way they get into duality of this, where you start off with one thing and you, you end up seeing getting the other, Mm-hmm. um i i totally agree um i also uh w- in the opening the cold open where you know kiki or cc's talking about kiki to lori did you at what point did you know lori was in danger because I- it, it
1: it was the moment where their stories started to line up when when lori says oh yeah it'll be just like the times when you weren't there when i w- mm-hmm. was you know doing the johns or whatever mm-hmm. That's when I knew I was like, "Oh shit!" That they both have the same story here. CC is going to put this together.
0: Yeah, it's funny because, I, yeah, I I kept on going back and forth. The second time I watched it, I was like, I because the part of me says that like I think CC is just street smart enough to know that he can, you know, he's such a hustler that he can smell a hustle. Mm -hmm. and you know laurie was trying to do this like very affected disinterest of like oh wow you talked to her oh uh, cc what's her name you know kiki what's her name and yeah then when you're right when she put the like because you know kiki probably said the same thing come on cc relax it's like you weren't in the room holding the john's dick were you Mm. and when laurie came back of that like i think he was just kind of prodding until he found the confirmation um but i the whole the whole scene i'm just like holding my breath because like Cece's yeah. a smart guy really good at reading people and lori maybe she's good at manipulating people but like you're never as good when you're f- afraid it's mm-hmm. like you know your your poker tell you're it's it's like when you're playing poker and the stakes are high that's when you're most likely to tell and she was telling all over the place and yeah, yeah. um what did you think the point was the, scene, the the quote-unquote makeup scene that didn't really work, where CC gets her a puppy and a big-ass box of chocolates and wants everything to be all better. Um,
1: I mean, the only thing I can take from that is that CeCe doesn't understand what makes Lori tick, and why right. would he? Why would he care, you know? As long as she's under his thumb, who cares? Right. right. Uh, and so when he goes and he tries to get these chocolates and booze and a puppy, she she, like... Is kind of like, ah, oh, this is cool, but not even close to the thing that I actually want, which is right. some something of my own. And right. this puppy is not my own. You got it for me. That's like, yeah. you know, Lori's looking for something outside of CC's realm, and that's just not going to happen. And it's nothing he can give her, right?
0: Yeah, no, well, I mean, yeah, you're right. Without, without like, losing his control, anyway. Exactly. It ties back into that monologue she had with uh, the audition monologue, it turns out, where she's like, you know, everything that everything that I have and everything that I am is something that he owns. Yeah. And like, you know, and now she, he's essentially giving, I, I thought that was telling too, that he's like, what, you like dogs? And she's like, <laughs> I, I, like I mean, that's because like 90% of the human population likes dogs and right, would have right. a little stronger reaction. But she's like, I don't, I got the impression that like, maybe, maybe she isn't even that thrilled about dogs, Maybe she thinks they're stink, they stink or whatever. And she just was like, you know, I don't know, whatever. But now it's like she's he's got, she, uh, CC's gotten her a chore essentially. Yeah, um, but I don't know. I I'm I trying to figure out. Like, I I also because I'm also shocked. Like, you know, we open up with CC giving her a beating, and then this scene. Like, I thought Laurie. Um, I'm not saying it's wrong for her to be angry and to, but like, I thought it was uh, foolhardy almost to uh, refresh on that to like be pretty. St- Strong with Cece and like, you know, uh tell tell you know, like like be be pretty defiant about these presents and stuff. Um mm-hmm. I don't know. And that's the thing is like I felt like CC was doing that math too. Like, damn, I just beat this woman and now I've got her so am I'm I'm doing the standard like makeup thing and she ain't having it. Like Well, I mean none of CC's tricks
1: are working, right? Like look what happens with Dorothy. Uh that yeah. doesn't work, I don't think.
0: It it doesn't work, but I don't know, like what is victory for these people? I keep on, I, I, yeah. when I was watching that scene the second time, I'm like, so if CC flies off half cocked and kills Dorothy mm-hmm. and he goes to jail for it, did Dorothy win? Like, <laughs> you know, if, 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 Ce- uh-huh. if, if Dorothy doesn't provoke CC and Dorothy succeeds in unionizing the, the street workers and brokering peace between the streets and the pimps and the cops, like does CC lose it's, a really weird game theory, right? Um, because they're all, oper- uh, you know, and there's the the concept of justice is kind of like out the window here. Uh, I, I kept on thinking, like, you know, what, what, what does everyone want here, and what's likely to happen? Because I just every single time that you know Dorothy gets put into the same room or in the same street as C.C., I get scared because you know he's already dealing with rebellions from his, you know, from his, his main woman. And now his other main woman that left him and humiliated him is, is, you know, rubbing it in his face. Like that's, I I mean, Dorothy's just courageous. She's completely courageous and I hope it doesn't get her killed, but I've seen a lot of David Simon stuff and that tends to happen.
1: (laughs) I'm actually more worried about Lori because of what's happening with Dorothy. Like that's the thing that scares me is that Dorothy's going to provoke cc into taking his frustration and anger out on the person he does still have control over which is laurie yeah
0: yeah that's, so, that so every be... time dorothy gets in his face i'm like oh no laurie oh no that's a good take, because I, I, I always, yeah, the fact that, like, Dorothy's kind of out of his orbit, and that actually might intimidate him, because he doesn't know what kind of pull she's got, and what she's, what, what, what she's doing, and, and what she's trying to accomplish, but, you know, he still has Laurie under his thumb, so why not just double down on t- keeping what he's got? Right. Um but I don't know. I just thought that's like the uh, I did, did the scene. I did like that scene because I felt like CC got increasingly desperate in his like because that's all he's got. Like mm-hmm. I turn, you know, I I essentially you know you were in my cult, but you know when someone leaves the cult, like getting them back, uh, you know if they're <laughs> if they're in a, if they're in a phase like Dorothy's in where she's like completely been deprogrammed and has got her own connections and her own support systems like getting someone just be you know like she the cc seemed delusional yeah and dorothy was in control and i i liked when he like tried to get into her physical space and she took like a half step back because she is intimidated by this man but then she just like re like like planted her feet and took that half step back like immediately like no no i'm not gonna happen this you're gonna if you're gonna kill me kill me right here in front of all these fucking witnesses and at least you'll you know rotten rikers or yeah. whatever yeah um super brave i hope it doesn't blow blow up in her face
1: uh can i talk about shay real quick let's talk about shay and i think her name's fran uh the the woman who runs the the peep show booths
0: oh no it's uh irene
1: i oh god that's confusing <laughs> too, <laughs> too many i yeah, totally this show. <laughs> totally totally okay uh yeah so irene this Man, this turned from something that I thought was awesome into something that felt abusive yes. and exploitative. Like, yes. at, at the drop of a hat here. Like, yes. as soon as they get back to, I guess, Irene's apartment, mm-hmm. it immediately turned sexual. And I was like, oh, my God. If this, th- this is such a bad situation for Shay, she's now unable to go back to her old life without the fear of getting hooked on it again and overdosing on heroin or whatever where the hell she was on Mm -hmm. uh she's stuck in this apartment now with this woman who is making sexual advances if she's not interested here this is very very bad Mm -hmm. um and and i think it it's interesting because i think it would be more obvious and more scary if this was a man doing Mm -hmm. this to shay Mm -hmm. uh you know she's tired of dicks but Okay, maybe you throw some tits in the mix and she's she's up for it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I just that's another scene that I felt a little bit skeeved out by.
0: Well, I think your instincts are good because like you know that's, I mean I that I, I I think that like if you got let's say because you know as a as a straight white man, uh, we rightfully so get a lot of shit about like our behavior and the fact that we've been on top of the world for a long time now and we haven't exactly covered ourselves in glory with our run um but i think there is a school of thought that like if you could just like you know slap slap the sense on all the straight white guys in the world um that the world would be a better place and that's probably true but there are you know straight white men are humans and humans tend to exploit other people and that's the (laughs) tale it just you could i mean i i thought it was explicit that like shay is being helped by this fellow woman and there was that dynamic and then irene like as like literally as soon as she yeah. got shay to accept this offer and like make it bare that like it's this or going back to rodney which is going to be beatings and addiction and probably death mm-hmm. she for, she puts the and, and she cloaks it with like oh is it okay Oh no but like she just it's super inappropriate to pivot this the the relationship to that in these circumstances yeah she it's got her totally just clean,
1: just clean enough to understand the danger she was in if she went back to it
0: totally a- predatory
1: yeah and then then took advantage of it a- and, and you
0: can see I, i'm sorry what were you saying
1: uh, i was gonna say this is no different than the doctor who asks for a blowjob in order to get pills right Fu-
0: right right and like you can see that on shay's face like she kind of blinks and is like Oh, I get it. You're my pimp now. Okay. So (laughs) I will, like, I'll minimize. But you can tell, like, this isn't something... I don't know. Maybe I... uh, I don't want to editorialize too far in the other direction. It was like Shay would not uh, contemplate a lesbian relationship. But, like, she never has. And Mm. I don't, like... Like, like... Uh, what does consent actually even mean in this scenario where it's yeah. very clear that the person has no other option like this is this is why like sexual harassment became a thing in the last three decades because if someone is dependent upon you for their livelihood or their career or their shelter or their safety like they, they mm-hmm. like what what is consent in that situation like well yeah you can you can tell me no but then your life will turn into a nightmare shithole right it's uh, that power
1: imbalance yeah
0: yeah, and but you know, but then Irene is also trying to talk her up or proper up. But it's like I guess if I had to choose, like she's a clear upgrade over Rodney, <laughs> for sure. But, but Shay is still in like this kind of like I'm trading sex for security. Mm-hmm. That's the straight up exchange, and like I don't like she hasn't escaped in the same way that Dorothy's escaped, and I, maybe that's going to be the thing. Like that this will be a stepping stone she can get with Dorothy, and like maybe she can truly get free um the other thing is uh you know I've, I've been pretty tough on irene i don't think she's an evil person i don't think a lot of people are evil they just don't know any better and yeah. you know i think i also think the story here is that she's had feelings for shay for a long time mm-hmm. and now she's just like you know desperate to, to act on them uh she's playing a dangerous game with rodney yeah because like you know like I, I think if rodney wasn't like fucking sky high all the time he would already kind of seen through this act and because I, I I don't think he get he quite cottons on to the fact that Irene has essentially lifted Shay right out from underneath his nose. Mm-hmm. Um, but that will like you know New York for such a big city, it's incredibly small place. It seems like in this show, yeah. um, Because it's not like they're like moving to a different borough or whatever. Like it's they're they're in the same area. They're going. This is going to be found out, and then what happens? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know because that's the thing. Like I could see in a world you know Irene's got mob protection. If Rodney comes and beats the piss out of her, uh, I don't know. Like it, that, that We might have another dead pimp on our hands at the other, and it won't have to be... There you go. Yeah, yeah. It won't have to be uh, Slim Charles lowering the boom this time. No?
1: Uh, maybe they'll send him in.
0: <laughs> he he seems to be the executor. Um, what else do we want to talk about? Um, oh, I thought it was a very clever... <sighs> I, I want to talk about Dar. I guess this, we can talk about Darlene and Larry and that whole situation, and then I want to talk about Big Mike because there's a there's just a really funny transition there. Um, so I thought it was really Larry continues to be charming, like trying to like study his art, like uh-huh. he's he's watching um, this movie. I think it's called Blue Collar. It's got Harvey Keitel and um, I th- Richard Pryor's in it. Um, and he's like going. Down, he's watching this and like just seeing, the, you know, this this acting job. And then he's walking down, and he's like practicing his lines. And then he tries to like make it his own by he's like, uh, you know, <laughs> got to stay on the line, Jack. And he's like, Nah, nah, he wouldn't say that. Uh, I I think that's really funny, and it's it's like the you know one of the amusing things in the episode. But then you see that it's having a, the, his being Twitter pated with the whole acting career is having him slip in his pimping duties, which is keeping the women he's with from being beat by the men that they're servicing. And mm-hmm. there's, uh, you know, he's talking about having trouble making his nut, the fact that they're, you know, got family depending on him. A lot of that's because, like, Larry is uh, lost a couple steps. He doesn't have his head in the game.
1: Yeah, and it's funny, because when you say lost a couple steps, I think he's moving in the right direction is the right. the weird thing. Uh, like, what he needs to do here, in my opinion, is jettison some of the, the people who are keeping his nut up so high. Mm. Uh, maybe, you know, let, let other pimps take them, bring them to Abby, let her, you know, get these people back up on their feet. Right. Just stick with Darlene, because I think, honestly... Darlene and Larry could have a thing a good thing going on here right they're both into kind of the same stuff they could both help each other in that regard sexy actors yeah right I I actually get a pretty good feeling there between Larry and Darlene but I I think Larry is torn right now Larry's looking for his place in this movie thing Uh, and I don't think until he finds it that he's gonna be able to see the path out.
0: Yeah, and Larry used to be the one that scared me the most because I think Larry is kind of dumb. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, dumb, violent people are the scariest because they're also, you know, especially ones that are insecure the way Larry is because how the hell do you not insult someone's intelligence? Like, you just never know. Like, you could just make an offhand remark about a fact that you know that they didn't, and then you're getting beat up because you made them feel stupid. Like, it's a land... It's a literally fucking landmine. But, like, it's weird how mellowed out he is, which makes me think that, like, it's it's gonna hide something bad. Um, But I don't know. It's also, like... Because I, 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 while you're talking, I'm thinking like, you know, what if Larry just came home like a zookeeper at the zoo and just threw his cages open and be mm-hmm. like, all right, f- 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 go on, women, go forth and sin no more. Like, I imagine a lot of the women would be like, no, fuck that. You need to take care of us." Like, yeah, true justice isn't like when you've got a, you know, uh, a, an exploiter and an exploitee and the exploiter just stops. Like mm-hmm. the, the true justice is helping the exploitee back onto their feet and to reintegrate society because just stopping it and turning it loose is literally like just shutting down a zoo and open up its cages and being like the animals fitting for yourself. Like how the fuck would they do that?
1: No, this Uh, is the thing that Dorothy was talking about, you know, when they're discussing how to handle this, this problem of, of the pimps and the prostitution. And she says, we need to support the women. That's, that's what she means, right? Like you can't just shut off the floodgates and hope that everyone will be okay. Uh, and, and that's why I say like Larry needs to maybe, take these women to someone like abby someone who can mm-hmm. show them the right path forward help them get the things that they need uh and figure out a new position in life for themselves right
0: but you, you see that that's simon's making a point that that's the official plan of the new york city police department and the, yeah, the task oh, force of moral is to shut down the zoo and open up the cages yeah, yeah it's a stupid one <laughs> if it, and if it wasn't for abby and dorothy and those types like that that should be a two-step plan you should you should close the zoo open the cages and then have trained veterinarians and animal placement services coming in there to help them you know get reintegrated back to life but like it's just you know that's the thing about like you know politics and the the moral politics especially is it does seem like it's very short-sighted and myopic because you know you go down you shut down a massage parlor what are those girls going to do like go get secretary jobs next tomorrow uh, with criminal yeah. records because mm-hmm. they're hauling them. It's just, I don't know. It's it, it, it's depressing.
1: No, that's, that's a part of the, you know, the ideals of serve and protect. The serve part is something yeah. I think we need a little bit more of because, sure. in my opinion, what needs to happen here is the cops need to go work with Abby, work with Dorothy, work with the people who are trying to to do the good in the community yeah get that structure in place before they just shut everything down
0: this shouldn't be a grassroots thing this should have like official money and a legal policy and uh, behind it and the fact that like it's a damn good thing that this this organization effort was happening behind the scenes because it's probably going to blunt some of the damage um but i don't know like but it's accidental
1: right it's it's a complete fluke that it happened at the same time
0: my, my nightmare scenario is you're going to see this moral task force start cracking down on these clinics, just like their massage parlors. We already yeah. saw a hint of that where we know the woman renting the van got picked up for prostitution charges. Right. Like, I think the, the, the nightmare scenario is they're going to destroy both programs, uh, the, the illegitimate pimp, the you know, flesh trade and the actually trying to support and, and, and help those women. And this is going to be a fucking shit show. We'll see. But, yeah. Um, the other thing is, how, what's, so, what is going on with uh, Darlene? Because Darlene's got, she's, she's educating herself. Mm-hmm. She has a, 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 a man who's, he who seems to be courting her a bit. Um, And it's also she's starting to chafe at having to be like this glamorous, you know, porno movie star and also still turning tricks at the same time. Um, I wonder, because like I, I, what you said before sounds nice about them, like, you know, doing this life together. But like, I don't (laughs) feel like that's where the story is is precisely going.
1: No? Huh.
0: Yeah, I just, I know, because like, I, I, I just, I think Darlene... You know, eventually is going gonna to not even want to do the, the porno stuff. She's going to want to get a job. She's wanting to settle down with this gentleman from Wakanda. And uh, maybe that'll be it. Like, you'll find out this guy's actually the... the you Black know, Panther? The, the dad of Black Panther. And like, Larry's right. going to step to him and he's just going just to <laughs> go badly for him. Sure. Going to get his vibranium ass-whipping, Larry. You uh. Don't touch Darlene. You're going to get in trouble. I But... I love the transition between that man saying say no more i never pressure a lady to like big mike pressure in a lady uh-huh. <laughs> uh and getting the getting the hot tip about the the family card game um and i man what a trip for 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 big mike like he was like the man of the hour uh you know lording over club 366 and now he's uh a, well, he's not a henchman. He's a, uh, he's uh what would you call him? He's like he's an Omar, running a crew. I guess. He, he's, he's like, like
1: a- Nick Cajun, gone in 60 seconds.
0: There you go. He's running a crew. I was going to go with Omar, but yeah, <laughs> let's, let's <laughs> right. uh Because he's, he's got a little bit of, uh, he's, he's not exactly, the other thing we found out about Big Mike is he's not exactly, you know, straight down the, 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 the stereotypical masculine line when it comes to his uh, sexual mm. proclivities. Sure um but i don't know it's 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 interesting to see like there's a little bit of commentary about like you know like there's this like black on black crime because there's this mm-hmm. this this like this family there's like this neighborhood card party no ain't nobody getting hurt by anybody and these guys get a word of it and they go and fuck it up um how many times can they do that like right now and i think that's the story is like these card games are being guarded by a big dude with a machete. Well, I ain't going to last for very long. Like, nobody's going to play cards if if the, old, the big man at the doors has got a machete. So now there's going to be guns. It's going to be like this violence begets violence. And yeah. for the first time I've started worrying about like big, like I thought big Mike was just going to be the guy who bust heads and throws drunks out. I think he might be going into harm's way in in mm-hmm. a big way now.
1: Yeah, he could be, especially once Frankie gets involved. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing that honestly worries me the most about this for some reason, is right. cutting Frankie into that. Right. Because Frankie can be a bit of a loose cannon, more far more so than Big Mike or Black Frankie.
0: But I don't think Big Mike's going to take Frankie on. Like, I, I got that he was humoring this guy. like Okay. You know, so, like, yeah. Especially when he's like, hey, I'll take my brother's cut and, like... Black Frankie just kind of gives him a look. He's like, "Okay, okay, never mind." Like he's going to intimidate yeah. those guys. And the only way he would have in is if like he went to Rudy and said, "I want you to force me into black of Big Mike's crew." And I think Rudy would tell him to go fuck himself. <laughs> so I now there isn't another interesting kind of like a sub subplot to this, which is where Tommy was impressed by this heist and the score, mm-hmm. and then he asked about Carlos and Bigs. Like Mike's like, "No, this guy's a drunk." Tommy had a look that might say that, you know, Carlos is going to be sleeping with the fishes hmm. uh, because we saw him falling asleep in the big boss's car when he's trying to be. He's like, I, I think Tommy might take care of this guy. There was a very dark look across his face when he found out that he shit the bed with Big Mike here. Yeah, so Could
1: could be. I wouldn't put it past
0: that guy to kill some people. <laughs> right. Also, trademark David Simon, black humor when you know uh big mike's like did can you not count i said two hands on the table the guy like sheepishly pulls out his hook yeah and then big mike and frankie look at each other and it's like what you know that's yeah it's it's good good
1: it is uh the one other thing that i want to talk about is paul uh and his situation we yeah yeah kind of just danced around it a little bit but Mm -hmm. so in this episode you know he goes to the the zoning board i think is Mm -hmm. is where he's meeting here um In a, uh, uh, what do they call it? a town meeting? I suppose yeah.
0: some kind of city council, council alderman, something like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: T- trying to get the zoning for his uh, lounge. Let's call mm-hmm. it. Definitely not a
0: bar. Not, not a, a bar. bar. Not a bar.
1: Uh, trying a to get that club. approved. And, it's more and of a it, lounge. it goes strangely, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. I I did watch the after credit sequence, and they were talking. David Simon particularly was talking about what a vibrant, uh exciting time this was for the the gay community sure in new york um and i guess i didn't have that impression of of the late 70s i thought it was something that was still much more under the table but this town council member or this zoning board guy just comes out and says hey i'm gay the person sitting next to me is gay uh we don't have any problems with that and nobody in the room i it, it's it's tough, right? Everybody is kind of couching their stuff yeah. in in terms of like, oh well, it's going to be noisy. I'm not objecting to the type of people, right. just the the noise and stuff, right? But but it was very above the table, which kind of surprised me.
0: Yeah, I wonder because you know it's it would be it would be extremely interesting to see what happened to the the plight of gay people in America had the AIDS epidemic not happened right because i and cuz i wasn't allowed i mean i was alive for this but i was like 2 years old so i think the story he's telling here is like you know Gabe, like imagine like you know if, if you're if you're a straight person imagine if you just you weren't allowed to like be sexual or have sex or even proposition the people you're sexually attracted to your entire life you, mm-hmm. everything had to be furtive and underground and imagine like for the first time that this started opening up and there's like clubs of like-minded people that you could just go and get your bone on or you can and now they're like wanting like well that's great but like also we want to just hang out and talk and like live like people and there's this guy who's like you know like he's older than paul and he's been doing this for a lot longer and he's just being like you know what i'm not gonna let this young man get you blackhearted by you people this isn't just a mm-hmm. like we're not just all about sucking and fucking and running around shirtless with ashless chaps and like scandalized like we like we like that's why I, I think the undercurrent is like that is why that's how you know us because that's that's all you've allowed us to be like, yeah. we'll take whatever you allow us, but now we want, we want actually a place in civic life. And I do remember the AIDS scare and how it was like, you know, like, well, this is, this is God's scourge repellent. And I, I feel like that, that emotional shit really, like, people are on the fence. Like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Or like, hey, if you hug these people or put to the, bring them close into your life, you might be able to catch it. And it's just, right. And it also, like, you know, we talked, like, we talk about in the Black Klansman podcast how, like, every time, uh, you know black leadership would step forward they get assassinated well fucking the aids like how how many uh civic leaders in the gay community were assassinated by that essentially mm-hmm. uh, i'm not saying that like the government engineered aids like they do that <laughs> of course although <laughs> no i'm not even saying that. um but but you know it that it's still the effect is the same. If like you know you you I, you, you take a you know, certain number of like your up and coming leaders, your, the people that could be businessmen that could could could, could be allies, and, and you just you just murder them without any rhyme or reason. But this disease, then what the hell? So I, I, I it is that's the thing that going through my mind is like, man, what would gay culture and how would gay acceptance and be in an America? Like I feel like that set them back decades because yeah that zone meeting felt like something you'd see in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. you know? Like, like it felt very, like, that exact same, like, nah, this isn't, we're not, we're not gonna let you do this. We're not gonna let you stereotype and demean and all this other stuff, but... Uh, but that's interesting. I also think that's super interesting that Paul, like, his vision for what he wants as a gay man is this, like, super classy palace that everyone is, like... Like everyone's Oscar Wilde and they're very funny and witty and smart and they talk about politics and then the place he goes when that fantasy or that that, uh, trying to make that fantasy reality gets to be too much is like the opposite of what he wants. It's like this run down pier that's not even really they're like essentially squatting and it's just a bunch of anonymous sex and it's grimy and filthy and there's rats and drug use and all this other stuff like again there's that, that 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 dichotomy in in uh in his life um
1: mm-hmm.
0: i also really feel for kin man because it feels like paul uh is really i, I don't know how like it, if this marble urals is for real but like it does feel <laughs> like paul's kind of losing his mind you know he's not willing to compromise his vision at all huh I don't know. I mean,
1: I, th- there's definitely something I admire about, about Paul's vision and sure. Paul's determination to accomplish the thing that he has crystallized in his head yeah. as that ideal place.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I can definitely admire that. And I think, yes, there are places you can go with that dream and that vision that are overboard, certainly. And mm-hmm. I think marble urinals would qualify. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, that said, I don't think there are literally marble urinals. I think that Kin... Ken is worried that seeking the perfection he's trying to seek will get in the way of getting anything good at all. Right. And I I very much under, understand that principle as well. Right. Um it's it's something that I struggle with myself like sure. with with my work and my my personal life is just like you know that that idea of letting perfection be the in, but letting perfect be the enemy of good enough. Yep. Um and I so so I see both sides of it and and I feel like there isn't an easy way out of that it really no. i just i just need to see which side of this battle is going to win is Ken going to be able to convince paul that this is maybe not the best thing um to to try and chase right. this dream down to the detail uh maybe if they can get something done it'll be good enough yeah and, and i hope that's how it comes out i hope paul doesn't get so caught up in this dream that he loses his way and nothing comes of it
0: yeah, I also what did you think of the scene cuz like Paul and Ken meet with that male porn actor that we saw earlier in the season and now he's got this like little off-Broadway uh comedy show or like two-man show. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what the context of that was, but uh-huh. um you're talking about him becoming a star. Uh I wonder. I was trying to think, like, you know, where are they going with this? Is like, um, is because I, 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 it seemed like Paul was like infatuated this guy, and like Kin was a little bit of aware of it, and I wasn't sure if this was just like a, because I also was struck by how much he looks like just a buffer, younger, more famous, and handsome version of Kin. Okay, you know, and he's got his shirt huh. off, and he's got his pecs, and he's like, you know, and he's and and I, I wonder <laughs> he's gonna if it's going to trade that, up, but also it could be that like you're going to like this is going to be like this guy maybe could have been a breakout star, and he's going to die of AIDS next yeah. season. Enough.
1: Yeah, could be.
0: I don't know. I don't know because there, there's like I that you know this guy just keeps walking in and out and having a couple lines and like okay where is this going it's 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 either going to be really really good or really really bad
1: i mean are they trying to show the types of clientele that paul might have in his dream oh. in his in his fantasy because yeah I, th- this guy i, I don't know that people who are doing these sort of off broadway underground homosexual uh plays are going to be able to afford the type of luxury that he's putting into his facility
0: so that's interesting
1: is is this something where we're tracking the trajectory of of this star on the rise who's then going to be able to you know Mm. trade in the the kind of circles that paul is looking to attract or we or are we looking at the tragedy angle saying paul does not have the clientele to support the dream that he's going after and that kin's ideal of compromising a little bit would actually fit the clientele better
0: uh, that's a that's a really good take uh, because you're uh, yeah now that I'm thinking about it like there it seems like the kind of guys that you want to show up there are like the polit you know the, the the politicians that want discretion the businessmen
1: the uh, people with like, money <laughs> and, yeah. then, and
0: then you get the you the the, the beautiful people like the actors right. and the talent in there too like yeah you're right and it's it's also think I think that like maybe. Made it something that Paul's realizing too, because like he had, you know, when he first appeared to this the zoning committee, he had no, no idea that half of the people there were gay, or yeah. at least two two fifths of the, the board were were gay. So he's like, maybe that's, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I think he's you're, he's building the type of place he wants to go. But yeah, you're right. If it's so expensive that like like could Paul from five years ago from season one right. of The Deuce afford to go to this club? Uh, and if not, like, what the hell are you doing, Paul? You're pricing yourself out of the market. It could be, could be. Um, do you want to talk about Bobby? Because Bobby's just another like you know, he's a real sad oh, yeah. sack character. Um, but it's he's 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 trying to fight wars on multiple fronts here. He's trying to gaslight his wife into like you know, uh, well, I'm not that involved. Well, I'm involved, but I'm protected. Well, I'm protected, but I still might spend a night in jail and humiliate you and your. Uh, and 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 our family um and also he's you know tr- absolutely refusing to compromise with Vincent to keep the peace in vincent 's house about mm-hmm. you know fuck you, not only am I going to leave i'm gonna buy uh, the whole bar around on me um <laughs> that's i well, yeah. well, let me
1: say I think vincent's solution here of Bobby going away for a few days is not a solution at
0: all oh it's horseshit uh, it's, I think it's... this is kicking
1: the can down the road yeah it, 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 Abby is not happy with this man's presence uh, on any level. And if he comes back at any time, she's going to have the same problem.
0: And she's wanting Vincent to make, he's wanting, she's wanting Vincent to make a, a choose a side. And Vincent trying yeah. to be like, you know, Vincent's trying to treat Abby like Vin, like Frankie's treating his idiot girlfriend. Like, you know what, Bobby, just go away for a couple of days. I'll buy her some anchovy pizza. And she'll just be so thrilled that I remembered what her favorite time. And Abby, Abby, Abby's not that that kind of girl. I don't even think Frankie's girl is that kind of girl. It's just like that <laughs> works in any human relationship that works a couple times. A person can say I'm sorry and do something nice and you're like, "Okay, sure." The, yeah. the you know where it goes from there is like whether the person stops doing the shit that is 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 hurting is is hurting you. Um but yep. yeah, I don't know. I I and you know I just, just I think Bobby and his his family life is fascinating and I don't uh, you think he's at risk of dying this season? Uh
1: I don't think he's going to die. I think no? what's more likely is his wife is going to leave him. Mm. Uh or at least make make steps in that direction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh let's see what else do we what else do we have to talk about? I feel like oh, we didn't talk about the cops. Uh okay. so The morals, morals task force is on uproar because the chief canceled the raids, which also pissed off Bobby and made Ralph Macchio's vice cop look like a fool uh, doubly this episode because he said there's a raid coming and there wasn't. And then he said there's Mm. no raids coming and there was a raid coming. Um, But Chris knows what he's doing. He's like, okay, if you're going to tell the media, don't tell them before an hour to uh, keep it, keep it quiet. We're going to take people that we trust, which I thought was interesting that Ralph Macchio was on in on that raid. Uh Like uh i wonder how chris like when he told them that he just stay in the room with him for a whole hour and you know ralph Macchio was like hey i gotta make a phone call uh i gotta tell no, mr I- miyagi something no you sit your ass in here for the next hour you're not leaving you're not you're not getting no phone calls no i think it's it's literally
1: that like they call a meeting they say we're gonna raid this place and we're doing it right now get your gear right but like, i just don't give an opportunity for a phone call uh don't let them out of your sight yeah
0: yeah i don't know i get because like i get mixed feelings about because i said there's something slightly chilling about these cops coming in with shotguns in what's essentially like a living room situation (laughs) Uh you know it's like with with like i i like it when cops come in with guns drawn when there's murders when there's like an armed robbery when there is like you know risk of massive loss of life or property damage or public safety concerns it's always weird i understand that like Sometimes you need to go into a Wall Street high rise and arrest a banker and you probably need guns for that, too. But I mean, that's the thing. Like if they were going to arrest like the executive of Merrill Lynch, they wouldn't fucking come in there with flashbangs and shotguns. They'd come in there with suits (laughs) and handcuffs. Right. Sure. And it's something it's it's something to like I I just feel like the the image of it's just like, you know, like Frankie or, or Big Mike and Frankie coming in and fucking up that card game. It just felt like a violation of something. And I get it there's human trafficking going on there's underage girls working here there's ba- there's there's bad shit but that all of that bad shit is happening because this thing is illegal not because it's intrinsic to the nature of the trade you know and i i i don't know i, I think that that's i think it's got to be intentional that this looked like this mil- military precision raid You're supposed to understand that we're living in in 2018 where we see these things happening to serve people fucking warrants for over unpaid parking tickets and getting the wrong Mm -hmm. street and babies getting killed because a flashbang lands in their cribs and guys getting shot because they happen to live across the street from the right address from a guy who's going to get picked up for outstanding marijuana violation. And like this is how this is how it all started. And how do we feel about that? And my answer is I don't feel real good. It felt it felt like um it it, it felt it felt bad. Like it, it like what if somebody got an itchy trigger finger and like greased Bobby? Would that be justice? You know?
1: No, I, I feel ya. It's it's a weird thing because at the same time I I'm torn. Uh the, this is mob connected, right? There could right. be muscle in in sure. this place and yeah. maybe they don't want may, maybe they're willing to kill a police officer or two.
0: But you keep it, going, yeah, yeah. But you it, keep going back is like, why are there guns? Why is there a mob? Why is sure, why sure. are the cops? Why are the? Yeah, why it's do a chicken
1: the... and an egg. I I, I totally feel yeah. you on that. It's
0: just yeah. th- this is maybe a scenario where
1: I'm okay with the mm-hmm. raid when when you know these things are mob connected. You know, mm-hmm. there's violence in the mob going on uh, currently. Th- these there there's potential for violence in this situation, and I right. think being prepared for that is a good thing. Uh, when, when you're serving warrants, yeah, fuck that. What, yeah. what do you need? Sixteen police officers in sWAT gear right. and shotguns to serve a warrant
0: right and but i mean it's it's all it all goes back to that like you know the reason i mean it's the cops have a dangerous job nowadays, but the problem is I feel like it's the politician who has put them in harm's way because it didn't used to be that every single traffic stop you'd come up to you 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 would expect to maybe get a gun pulled on you because why the fuck would you we've lived right. in a society where Two and a half at any given time, two and a half million people are in a pr- in, in prison. There's that many order magnitude. They're felony. They're felons, and they're on probation. Maybe they got a ticky tack parole violation that they're scared to get to thrown back in prison. So it's like you, you know, like you, you keep an, up in the danger of just. You know, day to day interactions with the police, and mm-hmm. you get this society that nobody wants. And it's again, it's not the cops' fault, it's definitely the politicians. And 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 fuck these people that in 2018 are still wanting to get double down on the, the drug war and like the other vice wars. Um, we need to really hold those people accountable because if we stopped all that right now, it's going to take decades for communities <laughs> to return to the real gold standard of community policing. Yeah. Um, but it's just going to get worse and worse until we stop it. Like e- even if we stop it, it's going to take years to reverse the damage and we're not even stopping. So right. Yay. Hey, before we get into the, uh, a little bit of feedback we got, I just want to remind people that we have the club, the club. And if you are enjoying our coverage of the deuce, um, the deuce is a small show and it's an even smaller podcast. And, There's no way Jim and I would ever have dreamed of covering it if we were still working our full-time jobs. We'd be lucky to be doing one podcast a week. The reason we're able to do so many podcasts a week, all the ones we talk about in the... Uh, uh, and, and the housekeeping each week is because we are supported by largely our listeners at club.baldmove.com and it's not just an altruistic thing you do to support independent podcasters you get a lot of really cool bonus features if you like Jim and I and the things we do I'm pretty sure you'll like lunch with Jim and Aaron you'll like you'll be interested in the behind the scenes look of the empire business uh, you might find our quips funny. Uh, you might enjoy getting our po- watching our podcast be live recorded, which often is a way to get the podcast hours before you might otherwise get get them. Um, lots of cool features. You can check most of them out for free. Preview them just by going to club.baldmove.com. You can always get a 30 day free trial, risk free, uh, by signing up for the club. Uh, club.baldmove.com. We don't have a ton of feedback. We did have a little bit um, from Warp Fox. He says, "There's no way the big Mike Caper doesn't come back to bite him in the ass. They're going to know that someone gave him a gun, and I doubt they're going to treat Mike's coat closet friend very nicely." Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if they'll make that connection. Um, they might. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm afraid for Mike. I'm afraid for Frankie, the the not idiot Frankie, uh, and I'm afraid for for Big Mike's friend. Uh, how much of Frankie's movie producer act is Eileen going to put up with before she gets fed up with this bullshit?
1: Zero <laughs> percent, yeah none of it.
0: And, and what's Frankie's recourse if she just says, "You know what? I've got your money. I've already spent it. You've got no muscle. You're a man without a country. Get the fuck out of here." Yeah, like you know, he's got. I don't know. Maybe I. You know, like I, I wonder because Frankie reminds me a lot of that fucking big dick idiot in season two of The Wire, the dock worker's son. Uh, i forget what what his name is um
1: the guy who was in the hbo sitcom right
0: right he he keeps getting like that guy was an idiot um and he he refused to realize it and he refused to just play his role and he ended up trying to do a caper and he ended up uh you know getting 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 a bad end and i wonder if vincent's going to like because i could see eileen doing that why wouldn't she like yeah you paid the 10 grand you get your credit Mm-hmm. be on set, get your rocks off if you want, but stay the fuck out. And, like, F- Frankie getting indignant and, like, trying to tool up and cause trouble. Yeah. You know? Like, like burn the place down or, like, rough up somebody. And then, you know... Th- th- that's the pro because Eileen doesn't have mob protection. Does that push... I-, I don't know. I'm waiting to see how all these levers get, get, get worked. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has a trivia note. The movie Larry's watching the theater's Blue Collar starring Richard Pryor and Harvey Keitel. However... The actor featured in the monologue is Yafit Koto, a David Simon alum of sorts. He's best known for his portrayal of Lieutenant Giardello, or G, on the show Homicide Life on the Streets, based on Simon's 1991 uh, award-winning book of the same title. That's cool. Hmm. I do like how he... I do know that this is loosely based on the real people that are, like, featured on The Deuce. I don't know whether those people are still alive, but one thing I thought was always amusing about uh, um, The Wire is you would see, like, the real Avon Barksdale showing up as, like, a a minister, a a community outreach minister. You'd see the real Omar... You'd see the real Omar Little, like, the guys based on show up as, like, this old man who's a feet like I wonder if there are, because I, I know that Vincent and Frankie are based on a real person. I wonder if, like, uh, some of these real-life individuals are, have, have been around. I haven't I haven't heard anything, and I feel like that um Sepp and Wall, or, like, they would mention that on the, the behind-the-scenes thing. But mm-hmm. uh, I do like that he puts those little Easter eggs in for himself. So. Yeah uh that is the show for the deuce this week uh we are we're, we're, i think we only got like three left uh we're really yep. chewing through the season fast if you'd like to send feedback please do so at tv at baldmove.com you can also get on our forums forums.baldmove.com um to talk about uh, the latest episode with your fellow fans um that's all we got to say until next week i'm aaron and i'm jim see ya